whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to not what I'd call an emergency podcast, but certainly a lot to talk about today following Monday night's, depending on who you ask, win over Jets win over the Buffalo Bills. We're going to do a lot of things today. I have some categories that I want to lay out that we're going to try to follow as the weeks progress. So besides that, I hope you're having a great week. I uh, hope you had a great first full football weekend, whether it was high school football, college football on Saturday, where there was a lot of good things that were happening. If I have time and you guys want it, I can try to do college football and the NFL, do like two episodes in the same week. It's going to get a little difficult, but we're going to try to do our best here. So this is going to be more NFL centric. And if you guys want more college football, we'll definitely shift to what you want for sure. But today we're going to do my uh, reaction to Aaron Rodgers' season-ending injury and what it means for the Jets and the AFC as a whole. We're going to do my studs and duds of NFL Week 1 and then my three guarantees, or as I call it to some, the Grayson guarantee. That seems pretentious. uh, With the NFL Week 2 slate, I have three games that I really like. And so if you're a betting man or anything like that, these are the games for you. All right, so let's get into the big news of the day. It just was reported about 20 minutes ago, and I knew I had to get a podcast out as soon as possible. Aaron Rodgers has torn his Achilles. Last night, it only took four snaps for an entire offseason of excitement, hype, buzz, whatever you want to call it. It's been one of the more anticipated seasons in NFL history for the Jets, bringing in the 39-year-old quarterback Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. MVPs galore. Super Bowl champion brings so much to the table as a quarterback and obviously an immense upgrade over what they had before in Zach Wilson, who we'll talk about in a second, who played fine last night in Aaron Rodgers' absence. But the entire night, it felt like, and I I didn't get to see the injury. I was actually doing something in my room, uh, waiting on me and my roommate to start watching the game. And I was checking Twitter and I see that Aaron Rodgers is down. I was like, oh, I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to get out to the living room now and turn on the TV. And you see Aaron Rodgers getting carted into the locker room. His expression on his face didn't tell or didn't paint a beautiful picture. So it's been confirmed, torn Achilles. Uh, it's He's going to miss the entire season. And with that, I think the Jets season is over. Uh, it, it really is unbelievable how in the NFL, just a short amount of time can rip apart what probably was going to be one of the better teams in football this year. I compared them to the 2020 Buccaneers on the radio with Fax and Childress, who you should check out on the roar or on this podcast where I thought, man, if the jets really figured this out and got things going, I thought they were going to have a slow start because I had some concerns about their tackle position and how Rogers would potentially adjust to that. But once they shored that up, they were going to be virtually unbeatable. They have one of the best defenses in the league, a rising star in Garrett Wilson, who had one of the best catches I've ever seen last night and probably seen for this entire season. And I, I think, yeah, like I said before, this this Jets season is down in the dumps. It's in the toilet. You can flush it. Uh, you, the Jets are going to try to start Zach Wilson for the rest of the way. I don't believe that lasts. What I saw on Monday night was more of the same from Zach Wilson. I saw a little bit of refined toolage with his uh, mechanics, but at the same time, there was a throw over the middle to Matt Milano, I believe where he's not in any really sort of duress or having somebody in his face. He just throws it right to the guy. It it felt like the same stuff we had seen with him with the Jets, where 
you see all the athletic tools, you see big playmaking ability, but at the same time, you see poor decision-making that's plagued him for his entire Jets career. And is the big reason why they wanted to bring in Aaron Rodgers. They wanted to bring in a guy with more reassurance, more experience, and obviously someone with a higher caliber that could take what this Jets roster has and really turn it into something beautiful. And I think before we get into what this means for the AFC, I think you have to give a ton of credit to Robert Sala and this coaching staff because last night was a tough one. And you saw that you see the tweets, you see it on the TV, you hear what the announcers with Buck and Aikman, the air was let out of MetLife Stadium. It felt like it was this giant bounce castle that just got deflated slowly. And it's painful to watch that just deteriorate and wash away because you're a Jets fan. This is probably one of the more exciting seasons since maybe Brett Favre signed, since maybe you drafted any of these quarterbacks. There was legitimate hope, and it's not like, oh, I hope Zach Wilson pans out, or I hope Mark Sanchez turns it around, or I hope Sam Darnold's able to make this work with all of his talent. You know what you're going to get in Aaron Rodgers. You know what he brings to the table. We saw it on hard knocks all summer long. This Jets team looked dangerous. They looked like they're ready to compete. Aaron brought this sense of winning in. He took a pay cut to bring in a guy like Dalvin Cook. And now that's completely thrown out the window. And you bring in a quarterback that the team already pretty much gave up on. I know they didn't trade him. And I put out a tweet last night that, that this was his time to prove people wrong in that same breath. But I'm not fully sure that he's capable of doing that. And when let's just take a look at what the Jets schedule is after that Bills win. That overtime win was significant to keep their season alive because the next slate of games is oof. You open up with the Cowboys, which we'll, they'll talk about that matchup later, but I think the Cowboys are going to roll away with that one. They play the Patriots at home. That matchup has a different tune to it now that it's not Aaron Rodgers versus Mac Jones. Zach Wilson's struggles against Bill Belichick have been as advertised. I think he hasn't gone a game without throwing an interception against Belichick and certainly has not won a game against the Patriots in his career. They open up then again at home with the Chiefs on October. Uh, should be a primetime game. We'll see if that gets flexed out because of the situation but you'd expect the Chiefs to win that one. They play the Broncos, who have a strong defense, and Sean Payton's offense should have things going by then. They play the Eagles, then they play the Giants, who should maybe bounce back uh, in the Battle of the Meadowlands. Then they play the Chargers. You have the Bills once again on the road, the Dolphins. It just doesn't look like a schedule that's going to be very favorable to a quarterback that hasn't shown you much substance over his three-year career. It's going to be an interesting tale. It's going to be an interesting tale for this Jets team. And it really has set them back in a sense that they had all the puzzle pieces together. They built the roster the right way. They got the star quarterback through the big trade with the Packers. Who This also affects Green Bay as well, as I don't think they get a first-round pick anymore because Aaron Rodgers did not play 70% of the Jets' snaps. So that's a big issue as well for the Packers if you're looking at how their side of this trade is supposed to work out. But what does this mean for the AFC East and the AFC as a whole? First of all, the AFC East is wide open. Uh, the Bills last night were terrible. Josh Allen, who we'll talk about, he's in my duds category, looked unrefined, unpolished. Now, the Bills, out of all four of these teams, are probably still the candidate to win the AFC East. They have the best roster now moving forward without Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. They have the best quarterback on the, the in the AFC East, no matter what Tua and Mac Jones did over the week, who both performed pretty well against really talented teams, both to varying results. but. I think this division could have the potential to be wide open. We saw a much improved Dolphins team. We saw Tua 
really take a step forward. He still has some of the same throws here and there, but I really liked what he showed, and they're going to be able to match it up against Mac Jones and this new-look offense, who, after they cleaned up some mistakes, looked like a much-improved team. They looked competent, which could not be a word to describe the team in 2022. So the AFC East is going to be very, very interesting. I'd still probably take Buffalo, but I think that New England and Miami's chances have certainly taken their, – their stock has certainly risen – in the last 24 hours than it did after Sunday where you go, man, we lost that game. We still have to play Aaron Rodgers in two weeks or man, we have to go against Tua in another week who looked really refined. Tyreek Hill put up over 200 yards of offense. He's not on my studs category, but he's a stud pretty much every week. So we had to just kind of rotate him in and out. But as for Rodgers and the jets, it's going to be a long hill. It's going to be a long climb and it's time for Zach Wilson to probably fire Fire some people up. Prove me wrong, Zach Wilson. I'd love to see it work out for the New York Jets and Zach Wilson. Okay, we're going to move on to our studs and duds category, where I'm going to give you three studs who I thought performed really well or have a great story in week one, and then the duds where I have two players and a team. Um, I wonder if you can guess which, guess which one that is. So my first stud is Jordan Whitehead. And like I said before, we're going to start on a positive note because I know you Jets fans who listen to the show desperately need one. And I thought he was fantastic. First of all, he just got a $250,000 bonus for having three interceptions last night, really kept the Jets in it. Like I said before, last night could have been a total disaster. It was an emotionally charged game. Once Aaron Rodgers went down, the Jets could have easily thrown in the towel and said, our season's over. Let's just, let's wrap this thing up guys. Uh, but Jordan Whitehead really kept these guys in it, took advantage of, took advantage of some poor Josh Allen decisions who we'll talk about in this next instance. But I thought he was really a key part of why the Jets won last night. Even when Zach Wilson turned over the ball, he was able to make some big plays. And I think at the end of the day, that's where the Jets are going to have to do moving forward to win football games. It's going to have to be like last year, only upticked a little bit more. Their defense is going to have to step up once again and be the thing that this, this complete organization relies on. It's going to look a lot like 2022, so it's a good start for Whitehead and company on that defense. One of my my first studs of the night is Josh Allen, and I I just want to read off some stats for you guys for Josh Allen. It hasn't been as noticeable, and maybe this is just an anomaly for this year, but there has been a significant regression for Josh Allen in these last two seasons. So 2020, he had his career year. He threw for 4,544 yards. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 107.2. Pretty solid, pretty good stuff. Bills made the AFC Championship. 2021, Josh Allen throws for 60, he completes 63.3% of his balls, 4,407 yards, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 92.2. You, you'd assume that eventually he'd have a regression, but did it stick? 2022, throws for the exact same completion percentage, oddly enough, Throws for 4,283 yards, 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 96.6. Last night, he completed 70% of his throws for 236 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, with a rating of 62.7. Now, am I going to say that this is the Bills destined for a terrible year with Josh Allen behind the Behind the center, no, it's not going to be like that. But I think it's something to watch for. Last night, Allen looked very... Very, It looked very uncharacteristic. We know Allen's a gunslinger. We know he likes to take chances. And usually more than not, it's paid off. But I think for Allen and these bills, where 
these last couple of years have been to fluctuating success, AFC championship, disappointing playoff run. They, they've almost were 13 seconds away from beating the Chiefs uh, two years ago in Arrowhead. And maybe that's the year they win the Super Bowl, especially against the Rams that year. Who is to say? But with Josh Allen in Buffalo, I've always never been a fan of the Brett Favre characteristics of his game. I thought he really took a step forward in 2020 where he was making more of the simple throws. His game wasn't out as out of control as it was in years past. So maybe this game is just an anomaly. The Jets defense has given him problems in the past, especially last year with that new and improved defense. But at that same breath, in that same breath, I think there's something to be concerned about with this Buffalo team. They play the Raiders this Sunday, and I think that's going to tell us a lot about where this team is headed. If they struggle out of the gate and there's more turnovers, there's some real concern and some some genuine positivity from the Patriots and the Dolphins who would definitely think their chances of winning this division after Buffalo's dominated it for the last three years is a reality. Okay, my second stud of the day is Zay Flowers, who had an incredible debut, nine catches, 78 yards. I want to quickly touch on a story from Zay Flowers that I learned on at ACC kickoff last year, where it was a uh, Boston College's coach, Jeff Halley, told us a story about how Zay Flowers was offered $500,000 to transfer to an unknown school and leave Boston College. And in this new world of NIL and everything like that, you'd be reasonable to assume that that's a pretty strong number to turn. It's a pretty strong number not to walk. It's it's difficult to walk away from that. And for Zay Flowers, he turned his back on it. He stayed at Boston College, put up a career year, and was now a first-round draft pick. Ended up making more money than he ever would have transferring to that college. And how he spoke to how it meant to him, what it spoke about this Boston College culture, and... While they didn't really have too much success in 2022, say Flowers' personal success allowed him to get drafted to the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the entire talk of this offseason for Baltimore was about Odell Beckham and how Lamar Jackson finally has this premier number one wide receiver. But what if we were wrong about the specific receiver Lamar was going to get? I think Zay Flowers has a chance to be the real star of this Baltimore Ravens offense, especially since Mark Andrews didn't play on Sunday, since Odell Beckham was a little slow getting into the groove of the game, two catches for 28 yards. I think Zay Flowers is a real opportunity to be Lamar's go-to guy in 2023 as they tried to reclaim the AFC North crown. You saw what he was able to do. He's a very effective route runner, especially in between the hashes. They've lined him up in the slot and like the, these bunch formations. It makes it really difficult for a weaker safety or a weaker corner or even a linebacker to keep up with the guy who's very low to the ground. He reminds me a lot of Julian Edelman and the Patriots where there's such an intelligence to his game and there's such a refinement of this guy has been in the league for six months and he looks like a 10-year veteran in the way he gets yards after the catch. He fights for every yard, the way he runs his routes, the way he's able to really throw defenders off um, at the top of his route. It was really impressive to see, and I think that Lamar Jackson clearly trusts him, and he moved up the chains a lot yesterday or a lot on Sunday against the Texans. So I think there's a lot to look forward to if you're a Ravens fan. Yes, the offense was slow at points, but if you get Odell Beckham involved and you have a guy like Zay Flowers, who's a brewing, growing star in this league, you should be very excited about what's to come. Okay, dud number two, Ryan Tannehill. Ooh, this was bad to watch. And I watched this game a lot because one of my neighbors in our NFL Sunday tradition is a Saints fan. So congrats to you, Van for that victory over the Titans 16 to 15. But man, should the Saints, the man of the Saints got lucky because Ryan Tannehill, as I've said many, many times, the Titans have a great roster and an absolutely 
horrible quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. He threw for three picks and a rating of 28.8. That would, I think there was a tweet that I saw that he would have had a better quarterback rating of 44.8 if he just took a QB, if he just nailed it every single time, which is horrible. And there was a lot of throws that Ryan Tannehill missed that were wide open, a lot of great designs from the Titans offense. And obviously you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, there's a big expectation that this offense can take that next step. And he just didn't bring it to the table. Nick Folk had a career day kicking for five field goals. But at the end of the day, the Titans were not going to be able to get in the end zone. They weren't able to put things together against the Saints team that struggled on offense with Derek Carr at the center of it all. So I'm really worried about this Titans team. I think the Jaguars are more than clear, the AFC South favorites. And they're going to be well on their way if Ryan Tannehill continues to play like this. Okay, I'm going to actually do my final dud because I want to end this segment on a positive note. My final dud is the Giants. And man, I'm sorry to my friend Matt Clancy, who, if you're listening to this podcast, man, that's disappointing. The Giants had more time of possessions, but had more turnovers. The Giants had a very promising first drive that was immediately blocked and taken back for a touchdown. This game was 26 to nothing before the blink of an eye. Daniel Jones threw two interceptions and did not look like the same quarterback from 2022 that took care of the football and really made some smart decisions and made also some phenomenal plays with his legs as well. This was a team that started five and one last year, and I'm not sure they can do it again. Now I was asked by a Cowboys fan over text on Sun on Monday night, I believe about what happened with this Cowboys game. What was my take on it? And I pretty much said this felt like the Cowboys were sleepwalking almost that the giants really self-imploded and had too many self-inflicted wounds that this almost became an extension of a preseason game for the Cowboys. They had 265 total yards. Dak Prescott had 18 completed passes for 144 yards. It didn't feel like the Cowboys had to do much uh, to grow on this 40-point lead. Now, is that saying more about how great they're going to be this year, or does this say something about the Giants that could potentially turn into a bad season? I'm worried about it. I know that the weather had played a factor and at that point, when you're down 26 to nothing in the pouring rain, it becomes extremely difficult to mount a comeback. But man, it looked way too easy for the Cowboys without really breaking a sweat or having anything unique or complicated to their game plan. It felt like Dak Prescott was out there sleepwalking and just gaining reps and confidence for this Jets matchup next to Sunday. Okay, my final stud and a guy that I've been rooting for on this podcast for a while is Baker Mayfield. He completed over 60% of his throws. Had 173 yards and two touchdowns in a nice 20 to 17 victory over the Minnesota Vikings, a team that I think a lot of people pick to regress, but probably not in week one against the Buccaneers, who are a top pick to potentially be drafting Caleb Williams in the in the spring. And so for Baker Mayfield, I think last year, and I've said it on the radio before, he made the most of his opportunity with Sean McVay last year in the LA Rams, where he really gave teams an extra bit of film to say, hey, I can be one of the 32 starters in this league. And I think yesterday he proved it. He wasn't phenomenal by any means. He wasn't blowing anybody away, but he took care of the football and he got his playmakers in the right spot. There was a great touchdown to uh, Nebraska, the Nebraska rookie. I can't remember the exact name, but it was on a third and goal. He slid to the right in the pocket, made a little sidearm throw that we're used to seeing with Baker Mayfield. He's got incredible arm talent. And we just aren't really able to see it in certain points because Sometimes we've seen some terrible decision-making by Baker Mayfield, but also we've seen some of the great stuff, the moxie, the swagger, the confidence that defines who he is. A lot of people compared him to Johnny Manziel outside the draft, which was really unfair. But you've seen how Mayfield's battled resiliency in his NFL career. I really am hoping that this Tampa Bay 
run really pans out and maybe Tampa sees him as a potential franchise quarterback. It was a great start for him on Sunday as they went 1-0 to start the year. Okay, we're going to move to my three games. I'm going to quickly give my reasons why I'm very confident. If you're picking some games this weekend, these are the three that you should pick. My number one game is the Colts over the Texans. I thought Anthony Richardson's debut was better than expected, and it looks like he's going to play on Sunday against the Texans. Rookie on rookie, C.J. Stroud, I think, while he played probably a stronger defense than the Ravens, showed a lot of the mistakes that I think were very present in the preseason holding onto the football way too long, rolling out in the pocket and taking unnecessary sacks. This Colts defense has some real talent up front, with especially with DeForest Buckner leading the charge. I could see another scenario where the Colts just have to take care of the football and let Anthony Richardson do his thing, and I could see the Colts getting their first win while the Texans fall to 0-2. My other next one is the Eagles over the Minnesota Vikings in Week 1, or Week 2, our first Amazon Prime football game is what I meant. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles picked up a 25-20 to win over the Patriots, and the Vikings looked lost against the Buccaneers. Many people who thought, as I alluded to earlier, are going to be picking for Caleb Williams or Drake May very soon. And we all know Kirk Cousins passed in primetime, and this game last year didn't end so well for the Minnesota Vikings. I think that the Eagles are going to have they bounced back offensively. They struggled against the Patriots' pass rush, and some of Belichick's weird schemes, there's a lot of weird formations and weird things they do with their secondary that probably threw Jalen Hurts off. It's his first time seeing Belichick. I think that the Eagles are going to be fine and probably once again in the race for the NFC. Give me the Eagles over the Vikings, 24-14. to 14. All right, we have our final score of the Cowboys and the Jets, and man, I am not excited about this, and if you're a Jets fan, you probably should not be either. This is a game where the Cowboys probably are going to be pretty significant favorites now with the Aaron Rodgers injury. I really want to see how this Jets team responds. Sure, they had a great victory on Monday night, but how do they respond emotionally over the week now that they know that their quarterback is out? You can tune a lot of that out in-game, especially on the field and plays. You're not worried about your Achilles. You're worried about if you can get that block or you can get that catch, get that route run. Make that second protection. Make that extra read. I want to see how this Jets team goes into Dallas against a really strong Cowboys team that spanked the Giants 40 to nothing last week. I think Dak Prescott and the Cowboys do more of the same. They really capitalize in all three phases of the football. I could see this being a little bit closer because of the Jets defense, but I do think Zach Wilson makes a mistake or two that makes the difference. And I'm going to take the Cowboys 24 to 10. All right, guys, thank you as always for tuning into the Man with the Plan podcast. This was episode 142. I'm planning on having this out Tuesday afternoon. So if you're listening to this, it's probably going to be about three, four o'clock when this drops. I'm really excited about what this NFL season entails. Guys, thanks for listening as always. Who are your who are your studs and duds? Who do you have as guarantees? And how do you view the Jets following Aaron Rodgers' injury? Guys, thank you as always for listening and tuning in. It's going to be exciting NFL season. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care and have a great day. 